Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hello, friends. Hi, how are you? And welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to be talking to you today. It is the end of April, and we only have one month of school left. Yay! We kind of school year-round here. But we do take the month of June off and the kids go to camp and they spend a couple of weeks at vacation Bible school and we just kind of rest and relax and refresh ourselves. And then we start back again in July because it's just so hot. But um, I am looking forward to that little break that we're going to be taking soon. And my planning fingers have been itching. I don't know if you like homeschool planning or not. I do. I like it so much. I actually wrote a little book about it and put together a planning kit. I also have some free homeschool planning pages. So if you head on over to the show notes for this episode, that would be episode 13. I'll put a link to my free planning pages there so you can go and grab those, give them a download and have a look over them. I'll also include a couple of links to some of my planning posts for you as well. But anyway, I am just itching to start planning for the next school year. That's a good thing, I think. So I'm going to start putting together some book lists, and I've got some really great ideas of things that I'm going to be adding to our morning time, and just in general, starting to think about the kinds of things we're going to do. Now, for the most part, I will say, we're going to continue in our next Matthew C., We are not at a quote-unquote stopping point on any of our All About Reading and All About Spelling right now. So we'll just close those books at the end of the school year. And at the beginning of next school year, we'll just open them back up and pick up right where we left off. The same goes with our Latin curriculum. We don't tend to do something and finish it at the end of the school year and then start with something new the next. We just kind of pick up where we left off. But um, I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll be writing about it a little bit on the blog, and I hope you come and check it out. Well, today, I am so excited. This interview was so great, we recorded it twice. Today, I'm talking to Erin Hassett. Erin is a lady who I admire very much. She has 10 kids, and she homeschools all of them and has the entire time. And I've been reading her blog for, oh my goodness, probably a good six years now, I'm thinking, at least five, five or six years. She lives in Australia, and I knew that when I started this podcast, she just had so much wisdom to share, and I wanted to get her on. And so we actually recorded the first time back in February, and I don't know, I have a little secret to tell you guys. I record podcasts in little batches, and then I just kind of let them sit there and simmer a bit and then release them one at a time. So if somebody records a podcast with me, it it could very possibly be a good six or seven weeks before it actually gets published. But I like to do them in a little batch. That's the way I work. Well, I recorded errands back in February and then didn't listen to it for a few weeks. And then when I listened to it, there was so much static and so much noise. Somehow we got a bad connection or a bad line or something was going on that I just couldn't use it. And so Erin was so wonderful and gracious and recorded again with me just last week. And I am so pleased to finally be able to get to bring you Erin's interview and let you hear all of the wonderful goodness that she has to say. So we will start listening to that right after this word from our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Simplified Dinners for New Cooks. 
Now, Simplified Dinners is the brainchild of my good friend, Misty Winkler, over at SimplifiedPantry.com. And what she's done here is she has created a great little cooking curriculum for kids who are mm, about age nine and over. She says anybody who can use a knife and who can use the stove is going to be able to use Simplified Dinners for new cooks and cook dinner. And what she's done is she has created a pantry list. And if you have all of the items in this pantry list, you'll be able to cook every recipe in the Simplified Dinners for New Cooks cookbook. In the cookbook, she teaches the kids how to use 12 basic kitchen tools and she describes 12 basic cooking skills. She lists them, she defines them, tells the kids what all of the terminology means. And then from there, The kids can use the recipes in the book and make dinner. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds just awesome to me to have your nine or 10 year old be able to get into the kitchen and with very minimal supervision, have dinner on the table for you. This is also great for dads who might have to take over kitchen duty because maybe mom's on bed rest. This is also great for grads. It's graduation season right now, and they're going to be heading off to college maybe living in a little townhouse, and you don't want them to, you know, get takeout every single night. So this is a wonderful gift for them as well. So what you can do is you can head on over to simplifiedpantry.com forward slash snapshots. And from there, you can get a few more details about the cookbook. And also when you go through the checkout process, if you use the code snapshots, you can get 20% off Simplified Dinners for New Cooks or any of the other Simplified Dinners books that Misty has there on her website. There's the standard version, which is more for moms who have a little more familiarity with cooking and it has a little bit larger pantry list, not quite so many detailed instructions. And there's also a gluten-free, dairy-free version as well. So head on over to check that out. It's simplifiedpantry.com forward slash snapshots. Don't forget to use your Snapshots discount code for 20% off. And be sure to tell Misty that Pam sent you. Erin Hassett is a homeschooling mom of 10, three of whom have graduated. She lives in rural Australia on a 150-acre homestead. Erin, who blogs at Seven Little Australians and Counting, practices a living books method of education with her kids as they enjoy an adventurous lifestyle that includes their Catholic faith, building their own home, and some amazing tree houses. Hi, Erin, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Pam. It's so nice to have you on. Thank you. Well, tell me a little bit about your family. Um, Well, as you said, we um, have 10 children. Our oldest is 21 and our youngest is 17 months old. So we have four girls, six boys, and yeah, so the oldest is a girl. She's 21. And then three boys, they are 19, 17, oops, sorry, he just turned 18, 19, (laughs) 18, and 15. And then we have two girls, they're 13 and 10. And another three boys, it's sort of like we have little sets of boys here. So we have a eight-year-old, six-year-old, and four-year-old. And then our baby, she, a girl, is 17 months old. Wow. So great range of ages and a little bit of everything in there. Oh, yes. Well, how did you get started homeschooling? Well, my mother actually homeschooled my siblings. They're much younger than me. So she homeschooled the six youngest. And so that was back, 
I was probably about 14 when she started doing that. So I made the decision to stay in school at the time, but I was very drawn to the homeschooling lifestyle. And, you know, I just decided that that was what I wanted for my children. Okay. So you wanted to do, you liked what you saw and you wanted to give it a try as well. I did. There were many things that drew me to it. And um, I, I was really drawn to it and determined that that's what I'd do, you know, when I had children. Obviously, that was something my husband had to agree to too. Fortunately, he did. Was that hard to get him to agree to take that on? Well, no, he was willing to listen to, you know, my thoughts on the matter. And then what actually sold him on it was when our baby was about five months old, we actually attended a homeschooling camp and he got to know, got to see all the teenagers interacting and he was very drawn to the socialization factor actually of how they interacted with each other, how they interacted with, you know, younger children and that was sort of really what sold any doubts that he had was he was drawn to that. Whereas, you know, and for both of us, we feel that the close relationships that our children have with one another was a very big draw card to um, make us want to homeschool. We really wanted that close relationships with one another. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about homeschooling in Australia. What is it like there as far as regulations go? You know, here in the States, each state kind of controls homeschooling within its states. In some states, the requirements are a lot more lax, and in other states, they're a lot more stringent. So what is it like to homeschool in Australia? Well, firstly, our numbers are much, much less than you have over there. Obviously, our population is a lot less too. Low homeschooling is on the rise. Similarly to yourselves, each state does have its own set laws. Some states are the same as the states, much easier and other states are not. So we're in New South Wales and the laws here are getting tougher, actually. And currently, the Home Education Australia has fought hard to get our voice heard before Parliament. Didn't quite get what you know they were wanting to get heard, but yes, so... How technically in New South Wales you register. Now, some people actually choose not to register. They feel that that's, you know, they feel that they shouldn't be having to ask. They feel like this isn't intrusive. Yes, correct. Whereas other people do. And so what happens in the primary school is we have to cover the six key learning areas and we have to do up a portfolio of how we intend on doing that. This is for your first registration. Uh, how you intend on doing that, then they will send somebody from the Board of Studies. That's a supervisory board. They also set like the HSC, high school certificate, and check that schools as well, up to standard. So they will send somebody out and they will check over your plans of what you intend on doing. There's no set you must use these books, but it is you must cover the six key learning areas. And for high school, it's eight areas. Then they will come back in a year's time. This is for your first time. Mm -hmm. Then that time they want to see your plans for the next two years and they also want to you give them some idea of assessment of how your children are going, how you present that is an individual choice and how and they, you know, want to see some records and some samples of the kids' work. Not all the work, just some samples. They're only here for a very short time, an hour at the most. And you know, they're happy with you. You don't see them again for another two years. Right. Are you able to get through all of your children in an hour? Well, that's right. I've barely got time to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Okay. Well, your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? Wow. Swiss Family Robinson? (laughs) We do have that (laughs) treehouse. Yes, you do. You do have that treehouse. Now, I know you guys do a lot of living books and book reading there, so I'm sure there's a little bit of Little Women thrown in there as well. Yes, no, there is, but probably not the um, set plays, but there's a lot of comedy relief around here, though, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that there's never a dull moment. No, no, and, and the theatrics are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were going to be stranded on a deserted island, what three things would you take with you to homeschool? <laughs> I, um, yeah, this is a funny question, and I was um, thinking, you know, what would I say to a question like that? And my children tend to think outside the box. Their father can take credit for that. And so, you know, we would tend to think of things like all-encompassing so that I'm, you know, playing with your rules here. So I could say our library. Okay. (laughs) Our study, which has the computers. And, of course, I need the children or, you know. Oh, so you're going to – you know, I think homeschooling would actually be a lot easier if I didn't have the children. (laughs) That's true. Lots (laughs) that we've still got to learn. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, I like how you throw in that. Well, we're just, it's, that's like telling the genie that you want three more wishes. You know, we're just going to take the whole library. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I just couldn't pick just one book. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, speaking of books, what is a homeschooling book that has most influenced you? Well, going back to when I was a teenager and, and looked at, you know, the whole homeschooling. And I can remember at 17, I started reading a lot of homeschooling philosophy books. And so so back then, my picture of how homeschooling was to be was very influenced by people like John Holt and Maria Montessori, Raymond Moore. He was a proponent of better late than early. So they formed a lot of my earlier years as a homeschooling parent. And then later on, probably the most pivotal book that I found was I discovered Charlotte Mason. And no, I'm not a purist by any means. I'd like to be, but realistically, my personality, I'm not. I tend to, you know, pick and choose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Karen Andriola's book, The Charlotte Mason Companion, had a big impact on me. And also Elizabeth Foss's Real Learning, the wisdom that some of the ladies shared in there was, you know, very reassuring. So, yeah, once again, I'm not picking just one book. <laughs> you know, I was sitting here thinking just that. <laughs> well, I guess they all help you on the journey, don't they? They, so really, they really do. They really do. They, they all do at differing times. And well, I guess, you know, I've been homeschooling for 21 years, so they've all had played a part. You know, that's a long time to be doing anything, but especially to be homeschooling. How do you keep yourself from getting just completely burned out? It's a really good question. <laughs> a number of years ago, I did actually get quite burnt out and it was a very hard time and it was, it took a long time to also crawl out of, of that burnout period. And I think even today, it, it still has an effect. But a friend said something that I thought was really, really beneficial. Actually, when I say 21 years, my oldest is 21 and I always find this awkward question is how long you've been homeschooling? Well. I mean, we've been homeschooling since birth, but yes, I suppose we didn't start getting more until, say, four. So, yeah, it's one of those questions, isn't it? So, anyway, a friend said to me, 
you know, teachers get long service leave after 10 years. And I did the numbers and I realized, you know, when, when I came to that burnout period, that was technically probably about 10 years since my daughter was four. And so, you know, it really hit me. It was just one of those, you know, moments where the light bulb goes on and you think, yes. And so I've actually said to myself, you know, when my next 10 year period is up, I'm actually going to take long service leave. I think, yeah. So this is like, we don't have this in the States. So this is like a sabbatical. Oh, they do. Yes, yes. That's right. Your, I think your teacher's system is very different. Here in Australia, teachers are taught, are given a, um, a salary, quite a reasonable salary that, you know, covers their needs for the whole year, whether they're working or not. So, and yes, when it comes up to 10 years, they get a paid, you know, three month sabbatical. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't get that here. <laughs> or we Uh-oh. didn't when I was teaching and I'm pretty sure it's still the same now. Yeah, that's a very interesting point that the time that you reached that was right about the time that if you had been teaching in a classroom, you would have gotten that three months paid leave. And it's really almost impossible to do as a homeschooling mom. No. So that's the background to to answer your actual question. I think what you need to do when you're getting to those periods of either burnout or you're getting to those periods of everything's really feeling flat and dull and I've been doing this for years and years and I'm so over it and yada yada, you know, oh, how boring. (laughs) And it happens. You need to look at what nurtures you as a, as a homeschooling parent. For me, sharing literature with my children is what nurtures me. And so I realize when those moments are happening of, oh, you know, it's dreary, dreary, spelling lesson, spelling lesson, you know, so boring, but I've got to, got to do it because it's important. I look and often I realize that's when those areas that nurture me, I might be skipping or dropping. So I might be going, oh, we've you know, started late today and we're getting behind and look, we just get to the nuts and bolts and you know, those beautiful things like literature or for somebody else, it might be sharing handcrafts or you know, everybody has something different that speaks to their nurturing side. And then I realize when I'm starting to feel like that, it's because I'm skipping those things that are really vitally important to me. So I need to go back and make sure that they're part of my day because that's what, for me, that and sharing my Catholic faith and having, you know, deep conversations with my children, that's what it's all about. You know, that's why I feel called to homeschool and that's why I feel like, yes, I love these moments of deep conversations or theological conversations or sharing books, you know, all cut it up together on the lounge or maybe not always. Sometimes there's a child doing a headstand on their head, but, you know, <laughs> that's what it's all about. So making sure you go back to those things and that those things are getting done and not pushed aside for the things you feel like you should be doing. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, talk to me for just a minute about what it's like to homeschool 10 children at one time. And I guess you probably haven't had 10 at one time because you have some little ones who aren't technically schooling yet, but they are there. And then you have some now who have graduated, but I know you've juggled at least eight And one of the things I hear from moms a lot is the hardest thing for them in homeschooling is, I have so many kids on so many different levels. How do I meet all their needs? So what kind of tips do you have for meeting the needs of that many children on that many levels? Oh, if only I knew the answer. (laughs) Well, as you say, you know, some children have left home, but those children still play a role in our homeschooling. You know, they ring up with an emergency or just a hi mum, you know, I haven't rung for a while and, and they certainly haven't. And you think, well, sorry kids, but I've got to attend to, you know, the older children because 
you know, they still play a very important role. So there's that. And then, of course, there's the little ones who have to be occupied and amused and certainly an eye kept on them that they're not, you know, destroying the house. So currently, for example, I have two high schoolers and well, actually here in Australia, high schoolers is usually from about grade seven. So usually about age 12 to 13 when we say high schoolers. So I have two in that age, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. And I also have three in the primary school age, as well as the babies at home. So I tend to group those three youngest together a lot to do a lot of work with them. And then I also, the oldest two, I tend to do some direct teaching lessons that I do with them. I will group them together too. So I tend to group where I can. The problem often will come is sometimes you'll just have it down pat and then one child will streak ahead in their learning ability. And you're holding them back by grouping them with their siblings. And so then you've got to change your whole game plan. <laughs> right. And this, this is the constant thing is constantly having to change the game plan and basically means you have to ask yourself each area that you set for your children, is this really necessary? You end up scratching things that perhaps if you only had one child or two children, you end up perhaps cutting right down and doing not everything you'd love to do but more the essentials. Right. Fill in the blank. If my grown child blank, I will have succeeded as a homeschooling mom. If my children have an inquiring mind. Okay. You want to elaborate on that one? Well, I suppose developing a love of learning so they know that, you know, if they don't know something, they can find out how. But before you get to that point, you actually have to create a desire that they want to find out. So if they have inquiring minds. So if they have that desire. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, now that you've graduated three kids and you've sent them off to university, have you changed the way you are approaching the education of your younger students? In some ways, yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I guess what I'm looking at is I'm realizing more importantly how things like habits are. I perhaps didn't give them enough realizing that how important they were and relationships. I'm realizing that homeschooling is a lot about relationships with one another, with the wider community. That's very important. Habits, and I'm talking here things like sleep habits, hygiene habits, having a regular routine, prayer life, learning life skills. So habits there like, you know, cooking, you know, healthy, balanced meals, being able to clean. And also I'm realizing a good grounding in the four R's is really important. So in applying that to going back to my younger children, I'm placing, you know, even more emphasis on that. So back to my, you know, when I have to get down to the nuts and bolts and I have to cut, if you like, certain things, it's down to the four R's are really important. But of course then for myself, I also need to have the literature to nurture my soul. Right. So it's always about striking a balance there. Oh, yes. And the balance constantly changes and I actually said to a girlfriend just this week, you know, I think I might have this homeschooling pat when, you know, my baby graduates. I might have a <laughs> You'll be an expert then. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, Erin, tell me, you are a book lover. So tell me, what is your favorite family read aloud ever? Oh, this is where I can't stick to just one either. <laughs> <laughs> I think the read alouds, first of all, I think for each read aloud, when I look back on the ones we've shared, each one has certain associated memories with it. So that's part of it. Like 
I look back and I remember the afternoon that we read Caddy Woodlawn and we read and read and every time I tried to put it down, the children begged and begged for me to keep reading and so we did. Um, so, you know, that's one that not only the book itself but that memory of that day where we all, all my children were still probably under 11 and we all snuggled up together and we read and read and, you know, I just love that. I, you know, that was a really popular one. Um, another one that I remember we just read and couldn't put down was um, Pius X. It was a book put out by the Vision series and that was another one. And, and actually we're just reading one now which is family favourite and it's our third time around called John of the Sirius by Doris Chadwick. Now that's a, people would, that's a real collector's item. It's actually an Australian history book based on when the first fleet came to Australia in a living book series. And it's incredible. Really, really well written, fascinating, but really hard to find and very expensive. Mm-hmm. But for our children to, and my husband and I, we tend to be a series family. So we will get into books like The Penderwicks or The Ranger's Apprentice, written by an Australian author, the Red War series. You know, we tend to get in and then everyone tends to read it and, you know, they all fight over who gets the next book and, you know, they have little, you know, rules that they mark up as to be fair and orderly as to who gets the next book. <laughs> and so that's part of our – it's all sort of entwined as part of our family culture is these books. Right. And that's so much fun to hear you talk about how these books have memories wrapped up with them. That's just a wonderful thing. Oh, it is. It is. I remember Beatrix Potter actually when our fourth child was born and I remember snuggling on the lounge and it was raining and it was cold. My oldest would have been only six and we read, you know, for the first time, I think we've read it about three or four times since all the way through, but we read that memories entwined with, you know, the new baby, he was only a newborn, and all the little children. So this was Peter Rabbit? The whole Beatrix Potter collection, actually, yes. Oh, all of them. Great. Yep. Well, do you have a homeschooling pet peeve, something that just kind of drives you crazy related to homeschooling? I don't know about the word pet peeve, but I guess what I see as a homeschooling drawback is I think... One of the hardest things for us, if we're being really honest, is we don't have outside deadlines. So for, you know, people who choose to go to a bricks and mortar school, you know, they get up, they have to catch the bus by a certain time. The children have to hand in an essay by a certain time. And so I I think as homeschoolers, it can be very easy to slide into, you know, particularly when you're a more relaxed natured person, which I am, you can slide, it's harder and it's harder for the children to see the importance. And yet, we're preparing our children for university, for the workforce. They're important that they learn those skills. And so that's a challenge. Right. Do you have any solutions? Is there anything you've come up with that is helping with that? My self-discipline? <laughs> yeah. I just have to keep working on my self-discipline to teach them. That you- There's no short other answer around it. You know, sometimes I think that successful homeschooling is about 90% mom self-discipline. Oh, definitely. Which can be really scary. (laughs) Well, for someone like myself who's very relaxed, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Erin, are you ready for a little pop quiz? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, here we go. Coffee or tea? Water. (laughs) A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? All country. Well-trained mine or Unschoolers Anonymous? Unschoolers Anonymous. Early bird or night owl? Early bird, but I can do night owl too. Craft, like a handicraft or read aloud? Oh, read aloud. Lap book or workbook? Lap book. Co-op or stay home? Well, once upon a time, I might have said a co-op, but I've got my own crowd, so stay at home. (laughs) 
<laughs> you have your own posse these days. That's right. Bed made or unmade? Bed definitely made. Bookmark or dog ear? Bookmark. Dog ear is a crime. It's a crime. Sonnet or haiku? Sonnet. Erin, tell me where people can find you online. Okay. I blog at Seven Little Australians and Counting. Okay. Um, I also have that on Facebook as well. You have a book blog, don't you? I do indeed. Actually, I have, yes, it's uh, Aussie Book Threads. And yes, so all of the books, I actually do a lot of book reviewing from time to time on my blog. And all of those books you will find over at the Aussie Book Threads as well. So if somebody were interested in Australian culture or history or geography, that would be a great resource for them. Yes, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Also, if you go to my blog, I have a page at the top entitled uh, Book List and any book reviews that I've done, easy to find that way on my blog. Wonderful. What a great resource. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today. If you have a question or a comment for either me or Erin, you can go to edsnapshots.com forward slash 13. There you can see the show notes, leave us a comment, get links to all of the great books that Erin recommended and talked about today because you know she couldn't pick just one. And it'll all be right there for you along with those planning resources that I was telling you about. Plus your link to Simplified Pantry and the little coupon code that you can use to get 20% off. So all of that at edsnapshots.com forward slash 13. And I just want to thank you so much for listening and being part of the Homeschool Snapshots community. I really appreciate you guys so much for sharing this with your friends and taking the time to leave those reviews on iTunes. You guys have a great day and keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.